1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When I became a parent,
2: I suddenly became a lot more aware of our world, our environment, and what I was doing to ensure the air my children were breathing was safe. There is increasing evidence that the cleaning products that we have used in our homes for generations contain toxins that are polluting the air, which is why I'm delighted that this episode of The Parenthood is brought to you by Tincture, natural cleaning products free of these potentially harmful toxins. I've got to say, I've used the products myself and I'm a convert. Not only do they smell amazing, but they clean as well as anything I've used before. Made with 100% natural essential oils, botanicals, and silver, they use nature's ingredients to ensure our homes are not only clean, but safe. Tincture want us to treat their beautiful hexagonal antimicrobial bottles as implements, refilling them from glass bottles that are easily recyclable. Clean, safe homes, less plastic, less waste. It's a win-win. So thank you, Tincture. To find out more, have a look at tincturelondon.com and use the code PH20 for 20% off your purchases. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. When children dream of becoming parents, I doubt very much that they imagine doing it alone. Instead, the dream involves falling in love and starting a family as one part of a couple. The reality is that the plan sometimes doesn't go to plan. Being a single parent is no longer uncommon. In the UK there are around 1.7 million single parent families and 9 out of 10 of those are headed up by women. But while it's common, I think all of us who've experienced parenthood in any of its guises will agree that doing it alone presents real challenges. There's the tiredness, the loneliness, that nagging feeling that you're not getting it quite right. And then the stigma. And because of this, people don't talk about it much. Well, this has never deterred us on The Parenthood, which is why I'm delighted to welcome back Mel Johnson, life coach, single mother and creator of The Stalk and I blog, who some of you may remember from a podcast we did last year about having a baby with a sperm donor. Mel's candid account of her journey to becoming a mother, in spite of not having met Mr. Wright, made it one of our most listened to podcasts. So Mel, thank you for coming back.
0: Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
2: So Daisy is now one, just over one. Yeah. How is life? as a mum?
0: Uh, Oh it's so good I think um, I love the age of one Um, so she um, she's just developing her own little personality she's a bit cheeky she's starting to say a few words she's about to take her first step so um, it's a really exciting time actually I feel like some of the very hard work is a little bit behind me and things are getting a bit easier now so yeah really good thank you.
2: So before you became a single mother you obviously put a lot of thought into it and made a sort of conscious decision Um, it wasn't to sort of happy mistake as it were. And so you obviously imagined life as a single mother, I'm sure you did. yeah What did you imagine would be the kind of most difficult thing about being a single mother?
0: Um I think I actually thought looking after a baby on my own would be the most difficult thing. So am I going to be able to manage um, to look after a baby? I have no experience. I have some friends with children and have done the odd bit, but not, you know, any proper experience.
2: Keeping a baby alive. Exactly. Basically every mother's concern.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I think I thought just that basics would be um, the hardest. And there's been times when it's been tough. I think like any mum uh but actually I think I've been pleasantly surprised that I don't think I found it particularly harder than a lot of my other mum friends have um so yeah I think that's probably what I anticipated and I've, have been pleasantly surprised. And what by do you it. think
2: has actually been the biggest challenge?
0: I would say there's two things that I didn't anticipate um that have been the hardest thing to deal with um quite different things um so the first one is sickness um I Um, since Daisy went to nursery, I feel like she's constantly getting sick. And again, talking to my other mum friends seems quite common when they first go to nursery. She gets sick and then she gives it to me. Um, And sometimes you get sick where you think, okay, this is not good, but I'm going to power through. And sometimes you get sick and think, I cannot do this. And I think there's been twice where I've just thought i I don't know what to do. I cannot look after her on my own when I feel this bad. Um, And luckily, I've I've got people that I can call to help me. Um, So looking after her when she's sick and then when I'm sick, I think that that was one of the hardest things um, and certainly means that you need to have a good support network. And then the second thing, which is quite different, is... um, the feeling of loneliness in the evenings. So in the day, particularly when I was on maternity leave, I had a brilliant social life. I was out with all the other mums, we were doing classes and coffee and uh, very, very social. And actually by the evening I was quite tired and was quite happy um, spending some time on my own. It changed for me when I went back to work in that um, after work, I would get Daisy from nursery, do the evening routine, put her to bed, and then I'm on my own and I have no adult company. So even if I'm staying in, I have no one to talk to or no ad- adult company face to face. Of course, I, I, you know, I call people and just small things like maybe I want to go to a yoga class, but I can't because I have to be in the house um, or, you know, maybe I want to go for a drink. It, so I, I felt a little bit lonely in the evenings um, after Daisy had gone to bed. But there's plenty of things you can do uh, to help. I, I've got some techniques now to help me figure that
2: out and I feel that you know. I mean I'm not a single mother but sometimes I do feel like I am a single mother yeah. because Ben will go away often for sort of three weeks and I have absolutely no contact with him and I, I feel exactly that sort of loneliness like I just want to sit down and have like a beer with someone and have yeah. an adult conversation and not have to pick up the phone yeah so I mean, there'll be people listening to this who might be pregnant and working out whether or not they want to do it on their own. There might be people sitting here, not pregnant, wondering, but not with anyone and wondering whether or not they can do it on their own. What would you say is important to consider when you're making that decision about whether or not to become a single parent?
0: So personally, for me, the biggest thing is your support network. Um... So um, I was very lucky that I 100% knew I wanted to be a mum and just needed to think, okay, what is the right thing for me to do? What is the right path to follow? I think people are in a more difficult situation where they're not 100% sure if they want to be a mum, if they're gonna do it on their own. They only, they think maybe they only want to do it with a partner, that's a more difficult situation. In terms of doing it on your own, for me the biggest thing is support network. So really understanding who you've got in your support network and really what they're going to do. Um, A lot of people say they feel let down when they've had their baby because people they thought might be there for them actually turns out not to be. And I think a lot of it is just down to communication. Um, I've really had to change my communication style. I'm very independent. I'm very strong willed. I feel like I should be able to do everything myself, and. really had to learn that to ask for help and to but to be clear about what that help looks like as well so what would be useful for me um so um, getting enough people that can help you in different ways, in emotional ways, in practical ways, all, all sorts of different ways, um, and really making sure that you've got those people around you to support you. So that, that would be my number one. I think the second thing, if you're going in on, on your own with a sperm donor, it's getting comfortable with that situation so one of the things that I work through with a lot of women who are in this um, situation of considering whether to do it is whether they think it's the right and fair thing to do to bring a child into the world on your own um, whilst you're not sure um, I think it brings a lot of anxiety but if you work through it and you start to feel comfortable with this the decision I think that really helps so I think it's those two things it's who have you got who's going to help you and feeling comfortable and confident with that choice um and the one thing I would say is I I I work with women who who don't have any help so for sure you can do it alone um it's just the more help and support you've got the easier it is that's that's the way I look at it And as far as I understand,
2: if you go through the sperm donor process, you do have to have some counselling, don't you? You have to have some professional support there.
0: So there is um, a mandatory counselling, but it's not necessarily um, counselling in the... um the mandatory counselling is relatively brief. So um, you have a, a one session. Um, I think then a lot of women want to have more coaching, which is the opportunity to talk through the decision making process. In the counselling session, you talk about, do you understand the process? Do you understand what you're signing up for? Do you feel confident do you feel ready um, but the, there's a lot more in-depth conversations that you can have um, which is what I tend to then pick up with people who are, who are not sure.
2: And how much in the sort of when you were still in the decision-making process how much did you speak to the people who have now become your support network in terms of that sort of decision-making I mean I know your mum has been incredibly important to you yeah. was she a part of the people that you were talking to before?
0: She was so I, I'm incredibly lucky that the, the vast majority of people I spoke to were were very supportive. So um, once I told my mum that I was really seriously considering this and realised that she was 100% behind it. To be honest, that's all I, I was confident in the decision. My mum was happy with the decision. So I was like, okay, this is happening. Um, And then I told a lot of people, but I wasn't really asking them for their input because I felt like I'd already made that decision. Um, I think um, a lot of women that I have spoken to don't feel confident telling or asking the opinion of their parents or friends because they aren't sure what they're going to say Um, and that's where it can help speaking to someone independent about it so for me I think I knew my family's quite relaxed we have lots of different situations in the family I I didn't think that they were going to frown upon this so I, I was lucky in that sense.
2: Because then obviously you get pregnant and the first 12 weeks, no one sort of really knows about it. But obviously, as your bump begins to develop, people obviously want to ask you and you have to yeah. then tell work. How easy was it to share your story with people that weren't necessarily in that inner circle of trust?
0: So I felt anxious about it in the beginning. Um, but then I think I just went for it and got a really positive reception. And then it just got easier and easier. And now it's it's just, you know, it's just very easy so I think um, if you have if you tell one person they react well and people reacted so well they were like oh this is amazing well done you know I I felt quite proud afterwards uh, after people gave me their positive reception Um, so yeah it got easier and easier I think sometimes it is the anticipation that's harder than the reality and what I advise people is just practice your own story. What is it that you want to say to people when you're very confident about that? And it doesn't need to be a long story. I say a very short bit. And then if people are interested, I'm happy to tell them more. Um, And when you're confident and comfortable with what you're going to say, it becomes very easy then.
2: And were you honest with everyone? Like, even if a taxi driver who you'd never meet again, and you could actually totally lie to, um, would ask you, would you tell them the the truth? Or were there any situations where you thought, oh, it's just easier just to be like, yeah, yeah, my husband's traveling?
0: it's a it's a funny story actually because this has happened quite recently um I had a builder come around to the house to do some work on the house and um a hilarious story for any anyone really he he was like um I'm just gonna give I'm just gonna tell you some of the details so that when your husband gets home you can tell your husband and I was like um I haven't got a husband and he was like oh but is that your baby I was like (laughs) yes um I had her on my own and he was like Oh, oh, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so um, the vast majority of the time, I'm very happy to say um, if I'm busy and I haven't got time to properly go into it, then I would just skirt over it. But I, but I have never lied. I've never pretended I've had a partner. Um, sometimes I just sort of leave them to think whatever they want to think. Um, but no, usually whoever asks and, and it's very simple. It's just like, oh, no, uh, you know, I've had her on my own. And then if people say, oh, you know, how how did that work? what you know what do you mean very happy to share more details uh usually with people I don't know very well that they just say oh right okay you know so oh, have
2: you experienced any negativity have you ever experienced that
0: um only uh, I've got one friend who said that he didn't think that you should bring knowingly somebody into uh the world without a um Without a father um but but it's literally just been and it wasn't necessarily that's his opinion. he shared it with me, you know, but definitely not negativity that 's been difficult to deal with I
2: because mean, if you think a generation ago i'm sure well it wouldn't actually been possible necessarily, yeah. but you know having just having a baby on your own in whatever circumstances was was very frowned much frowned upon, upon. and a, t- a generation before that you know people would go to all sorts of extreme measures to either, you know, to do something about it. So it is amazing. And and you know
0: what's really interesting? Quite a lot of the girls that I've spoken to um, have been really pleasantly surprised that their grandma has been really supportive. So I think they've thought, because in generations gone by, it, it wasn't really the thing, the done thing, that, that perhaps their grandparents would frown upon it. And I know a lot of girls have struggled thinking, oh, what's my gran going to say if I tell her? Um, and have um, actually told them and their grandparents have been hugely supportive uh, unfortunately my grand's no longer with us but i know that she would have been supportive because she was very open-minded um so it's nice that that a lot of people who you perhaps think wouldn't wouldn't approve of the situation actually are supportive if it makes you happy if you're set up if you're if they think you'll be a good parent and they don't want you to miss out on that opportunity i think most people are supportive
2: I've got to say, if someone I didn't know that well or someone said, yeah, I'm doing this on my own, I'd be like, what an awesome person. I yeah. just think it's such an amazing, it's brave and it's ballsy. And I don't mean that in a sort of bad way. I just, I really admire the someone that has the kind of, you know, because getting pregnant for most people is kind of easy, isn't it? It doesn't require much thought. And you just sort of thought, oh, well, let's see. Oh, I'm pregnant. And you don't think about it. So to really have to think about it and think can I really do it that's tough and it's an amazing amazing thing to be able to do. It's
0: interesting because um, I've actually been involved in some fertility events called um, uh, you're trying and struggling which is to support women trying to conceive who are struggling and with the solo motherhood community I was laughing saying uh, the the problem for the solo motherhood community is I'm not even trying that's the problem I I don't even know if I'm going to struggle to conceive because I haven't got to the point of even being able to try um and I think that's what's so that's what's so hard for people but uh but yeah it's it's all good
2: and were, were, the, were the NHS supportive when you were obviously pregnant? They obviously take a lot of details from you. Um, were, were, they, were they good? Were they supportive? They,
0: they were supportive. I mean, it varies, of course, depending on who you speak to. But um, it, in general, very supportive. Everything is still very set up for partners. So you always have to sort of cross the box out or you always have to explain the situation. And the one thing that would have been good is if there was some continuity so that every time I went, I didn't have to re-explain the situation. Because, you know, you get a different person every time sometimes or um, you sort of have to re-explain. But every, every time I explained, I was on my own, you know, almost didn't bat an eyelid, to be honest. They were like, oh, okay, cool, you know. Uh, so yeah I didn't experience any problems there
2: and did you then do antenatal classes in your pregnancy
0: I did um funnily enough antenatal classes were one of the things that was causing me the most anxiety um I just had in my mind when I turn up to this class what are people gonna think like I had asked my mum to come to the class with me she was also a bit anxious about coming and um I just thought, oh, what am I going to say? Will people, um, you know, what will people think? Will I have the opportunity to explain why I'm here with my mum? So again, it was the anticipation that was that was difficult. Um, I'm so glad I went to the classes because I learned a lot and I met a lot of um, awesome girls that I'm very much friends with now who've been a real support.
2: If someone's listening to this thinking you know shall I go to antenatal classes hopefully they'll hear you and say yes but is there what tips would you give I mean I support quite a lot of uh, single mums on on the bump class and the one thing I always say to them is just like be honest be honest with me and usually I do have a chat with them before so I sort of know and they'll say I'm doing this on my own but I always say listen it's your story so I'm not going to say it for you but I do think that sooner you're honest with the rest of the class the kind of better it is because I think if they presume you're together with someone there might be some comments that might be a bit upsetting or alienating that haven't been anticipated but if they didn't know your circumstances are much more difficult to kind of navigate.
0: Yeah, and I think they are the two things that I would advise people. So I rang the lady who was taking the course before and said, just to let you know, I feel a bit anxious because I'm I'm bringing my mum because I'm a solo mum, I haven't got a partner. Um, so, and she put my mind at rest because first of all, I thought, OK, now she knows my circumstances, so she can help me navigate it. Um, and just she, she wasn't phased by it at all. So I think it telling the person beforehand just so it can make you feel better and can help them to prepare so that they don't say the wrong thing either by accident. And the second thing is exactly what you said, just having the opportunity to share your story. So um, I'm, again, hugely proud of my story, but I want people to understand it so there's no, so there's no misunderstanding so at the beginning just explaining to people i'm here on my own because i'm a solo mum. i chose to do it on my own and again exactly like you said people were like oh wow amazing um and just uh, introduced my mum as, as the uh, you know my birthing partner and um uh, it was actually funny because a lot of the ladies were saying oh i'd trade my partner for your mum any day <laughs> she's way more useful um so and and now i have a, a group of great um friends uh, with Kids the same age, so yeah, I definitely recommend going.
2: Yeah, I mean, talking, I've talked to a few um, women who've been on the bump class with single mums, and they've said that you know that that bond has been particularly strong. um, Because I think if you're honest with someone you kind of floor them with your honesty and they're honest back. And it immediately breaks down this sort of barrier of kind of being strangers, which the English, I think in particular, have a bit of a a problem with, or the British. And um, I've definitely noticed in those groups that there's been a sort of real bond uh, amongst the girls. And, you know, that honesty too is only going to increase once your babies are born. I always say to the the girls as they go away, I'm like, please try not to be perfect and please try not to be perfect in your WhatsApp group. The, The kind of text that goes oh my God, I feel like the worst mother today because I did whatever, whatever, is so much going to be so much better received than the text of, look at my perfectly turned out child and look how skinny I am back in my jeans. You know, the moment you expose your vulnerability, people will just love you for it yeah. and you'll kind of bond. And actually I was talking to one one girl and she was saying, it's kind of along the same line. She was like, we're all at the stage, where we're just so pissed off with our husbands <laughs> yeah. and like a bit worried about having to have sex again. And we're like, we're, we're a bit jealous of you. Yeah. <laughs> so they're sort of making a joke of it. and And actually that, You know, that is a great thing to have that kind of camaraderie
0: yeah definitely and um because i haven't got a partner at home um i probably overutilize utilize the whatsapp group a bit um and so by you know it, it, just because of my circumstances that is what happens because i'm i think if you've got a partner maybe you're saying oh is this right what do you think about this whereas i use my um my antenatal friends and the whatsapp group f- for that so and i i fully agree i think the more you offer of yourself and your vulnerabilities and what you really think the closer friendships you'll develop definitely. And then in the sort
2: of lead up to the birth I mean you mentioned that your mum was your birth partner she came along to the sort of antenatal classes in terms of advice for women selecting their birth partner if you know, for some reason, the father is not going to be there. What, what kind of what kind of thing do you look for?
0: So um, for me, it was knowing that they would be able to take control if I was in a situation where I couldn't. So, you know, somebody who's going to be like, OK, this is what we're going to do and just be able to take charge a little bit. That, that was quite important for me. I think the other thing is just thinking practically. So I had my mum. She doesn't live too far away from me, but we did keep thinking, oh, what's going to happen? you know how how is she going to get there how are we going to do it and in the end i was 2 weeks later my mum for the last week just came and stayed at my house um so because she kept on thinking it's going to happen she in fact it was her anxiety every day she was like is it happening yet um so it was just easier for her to stay um i also had a very close friend who was going to come as well particularly if it was going to take a long time we thought maybe to just um help my mum out if um, if she needed a rest um but she lives a four hour drive away. So again, practically it was very difficult. Um, but, um, I, as soon as I went into hospital, I texted her and she sorted out her life. And then, um, she had been planning for a long time. What's going to happen when I get that message and, you know, had sort of thought about backup childcare plans, etc. So I think if you can have a person who's going to be with you and then maybe another person to, to help them, um, and, but also someone you just want to share that moment with, because, you know, when my daughter was born, um, me and my mum were there together. My mum held her um, for the first time. And, you know, just someone that you want to share that with, I think, is important as and well. And I think
2: people often feel a bit guilty about asking someone, to say, oh, that's a big ask. But I've got to say, you know, I've been a birth partner for my sister and she has been for me, Kiara. And, and both sort of slightly unanticipated. Un- our husbands weren't there when our babies finally came. Mm-hmm. But for me certainly was an amazing experience and god if anyone said to me would you consider being my birth partner i would consider that like the biggest accolade anyone has ever given
0: yeah. me and I have and found this in in all sorts of areas where I've thought oh how can I possibly ask this person to do something and they've been like oh you thought of me when you want help to like people like being needed and wanted and the, pe- the person you think of when you want help so I found the same thing I think it's also brought me closer to people when I've again showed maybe a bit more vulnerability than I usually do and said I need your help with this and I've chosen you you're the person who I think would be best for it. Um, Yeah, I think it's um, a a huge honour. People seem to have felt like that. So
2: obviously then when Daisy came home, you were really happy and excited to finally have this baby that you wanted so much. I mean, I think for every mother... Being at home alone with a baby is isolated and challenging. Was it more difficult than you anticipated? Or
0: um, I, I didn't find... I think, like I said, when I was on maternity leave, I actually found it a bit easier. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Because I'm looking back and uh, maybe if you'd asked me during the time, I'd have a different answer. But looking back... Um, I there was times where you just think how am I going to get through this day? I'm so tired. I've not slept, and I think the thing for me was more that that, again the nights when Daisy was young, so I was breastfeeding. I would be the one constantly getting up, and it just felt it started to feel a bit relentless. Where you know when is it going to end that I'm actually going to get a full night's sleep? Um, I had a turning point at six months. that Daisy wasn't sleeping well at all. She was getting, I was getting up two or three times in the night. And one of my friends said to me, um, why don't you use a sleep coach? And I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't need to use a sleep coach. And they were like, well, you kind of don't seem to be, (laughs) you know, you could be sleeping through the whole night. Um, and then I think I had another bad night and thought, you know, I think I am going to, um, to, to look up this sleep coach. And, um, amazing and again when i talk about support network again i think it's like who who could who's in your wider network um so uh, hannah Dalmany, she was by skype um and i just needed that reassurance of what you can read a book you can ask people what they've done but for me i just needed a person saying you're doing the right thing don't worry keep on going and um it was honestly the longest hardest week of my life I had to dig very deep to get through the week. But with her there helping me, um, I got through it. And now I'm reaping the rewards because Daisy sleeps 12 hours every night. I put her down at quarter to seven. She wakes up at quarter to seven. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, that was a real turning point because then I wasn't tired because I was getting a good night's sleep. And then everything is more manageable when you're not tired. Um, So again, I think it's like looking what help you can get what do you need Uh, you know who can support you to try to get through it Uh, but that was a real turning point for me for sure
2: yeah I I hear you I remember when Ludo was a month old Ben went to Ethiopia for two weeks and so basically I was on my own for two weeks and I just remember thinking I was at that stage where he was like feeding every two and a half hours Mm. all through the day all through the night I was like I can't do this I've Mm. done a month of this and I just got a book and it was brilliant there was some structure there was something for me to Mm. work towards and I didn't leave him to cry but I just learned a little bit more about him and I remember Ben then came back and he was like you were a different person but it took me being on my own to kind of take ownership of the situation and also in a way it was sort of easier not procrastinating not asking someone else oh what do you think should we do I was like I'm just doing it this yeah. is my life this is I'm in charge now for the next two weeks I'm going to do it yeah. and actually that was kind of like you said it was a real tipping point for me
0: and I think that's one of the benefits of doing things on your own or finding yourself on your own a little bit because you can just take charge and say this is how I'm doing it you don't have to negotiate that with anyone so it is one of the positives for yeah, sure yeah that's
2: something we hear about on the bump class a lot you know how yeah. do you you know amalgamate your two different parenting styles especially often yeah. when the second baby comes along and you, you know one person's like what you're doing is direct directly opposing what I'm trying to do and it's really difficult if you're constantly contradicting me you know we know that consistency is so important for children and if one you know parent is being really good at saying no we're going to do it like this and the other parent's going okay fine you know if you scream so much then yes of course you can have it god that's hard (laughs) it's really
0: frustrating yeah
2: (laughs) If someone is sort of preparing for life at home as a single parent with a baby, um, I mean, you mentioned help already. Um, is there anything else that they can do practically to make it a little bit easier? I
0: mean, I, I think one of the things that I say is if you're thinking about doing it, start saving. So um, I was thinking about it for, you know, probably about three years um, and and thought, OK, well, if I'm going to do this, then it will be easier if I've got some savings behind me so so definitely one of the things is is about starting to save um the other thing I'd say is um interact with some other people who've already gone through it so um you know there is now a growing community of people who are at every different stage still thinking about it trying to conceive pregnant or 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 already got children on their own and um it's just a wealth of information and just really feeling like you belong into a community because there is um I had a brilliant mum community and then I get something slightly different from the solo mum community um because we just have different challenges and you just really are like yes that's exactly what I'm going through um so the more you can connect with people both online and if you can meet people face to face um I think it really is helpful
2: and there are I mean you obviously have a community you have a yeah. Facebook page don't you yeah
0: so I've got um the stalk and I mum tribe which is a Facebook group um with people at all different stages and it's such a supportive community and I think people really feel it's very engaged so people get lots of advice and help and they'll and a lot of people when they join are like oh there's so many people in my situation this you know they're just so excited to find other people uh in the same situation Situation. and then um also the donor conception network they have um they they organize meetups for people who um have gone through donor conception that could be solo mums that could be um couples who have got fertility um struggles so uh yeah lots of opportunity to meet other people
2: i think um looking after having looked after sort of pregnant women for the last six seven years now one of the obstacles i find um, most challenging is this sort of idea of perfection Mm. this quest for perfection this obsession with perfection the idea too i think especially if conception or getting to the stage of having a child hasn't been as straightforward as you imagine, that as soon as that baby's there life will be perfect and mm-hmm. we all know that it isn't mm-hmm. it rarely is life is ever perfect but also i think we also learn that perfect life is boring it's mm-hmm. the imperfections that make life way more interesting yeah um but i think obviously for sort of solo mums potentially that is a harder one you know you see all these lovely family photos of two parents and a child and that is yes. very much kind of drilled into us that that is what a family is is that something you struggled with this sort of letting go of what you imagined
0: i think i uh, that's what i worked through before i embarked on the journey if you like so I, I i didn't struggle because i'd already gone through all that and and worked it all out and let it go um and what's perfect for me is my situation and that's what I strongly believe it you know everything happens for a reason and everything has worked out for me very nicely and um I that is my perfect situation and um what I worked through is um trying to let go of comparison. So it's very easy to look at other people and think they've got the perfect situation. But actually, when you speak to people, no one's really got the perfect situation. Um, Particularly on Instagram, it's very easy to think, oh, look at them having the perfect family life. Um, the more you speak to people and again you're honest with each other the more you realize the perfect family life that's a one instant that was captured on a picture but there's lots of other stuff that is challenges so for me it was really letting go of comparison and just focusing on myself my situation and making the best of what I've got, and and setting up um, myself the best I can Um, and that really helped so it's very rare there's occasions when um I've thought oh look they've got a lovely perfect family life as I'm sure a lot of people do you know if you're having Whatever an argument with, yeah, yeah or you're frustrated with your partner probably you know lots of people look and think oh look at them um so it happens now and again but one of the things I say and the advice I give is don't um, compare yourself join in so I've got lots of friends where I'm part of that family so I don't see them I'm not jealous of their relationship I'm muscling in on it and um, I, th- I, th- I think I've got sort of maybe three couples who have got children who I, um, I'm i part of their family and, and so is Daisy is now as well and I like to look at it that way instead of tr- of the comparison thing so
2: and actually I guess in a way you know if someone had said to you age 20 do you hope in your 30s that you'll meet someone fall in love and have a child and now you look back and if that had happened you wouldn't have Daisy exactly you wouldn't swap her for the world exactly. you know she wouldn't exist if the kind of imperfect situation hadn't materialized yeah
0: and ex- so I would never look back and want anything different and now I just look forward and think okay well let's see what what happens next so have you thought
2: about? Well, I know you have because we talked about it before. But um, talking about um, Daisy, uh, talking to Daisy about who her father is, um, mm-hmm. have you? About how you're going to do that. And have you had questions? I mean, often, you know, it's children that ask the most awkward yeah. questions. It's not necessarily adults. And yeah. have you had to negotiate any of that yet?
0: I have. Um, so I've given it a lot of thought actually, and there's loads of resources out there to help you. So um, I'm starting off talking just in general about diversity. So I've got I've got a book called The Big Book of Families. And I think it to be honest, I think it's brilliant for everybody. Um, and it looks at all the different family circumstances and just helps to reinforce to children that it isn't mum dad and baby there's lots of different families from different backgrounds of all different circumstances so that's one of the things I want Daisy growing up knowing that um, that there's a diverse um you know look at families um then the second thing is telling her her circumstance and um, I've got a couple of books already to help do that so um, I went on a really interesting webinar where they said you can't there isn't a one size fits all for telling your child because it depends on your child and it depends how you best communicate and what best works for them and that was a real eye-opener for me I was thinking there's probably a perfect formula and actually it's getting to know your child and some children aren't interested at all and they're like oh okay cool and others are very interested and asking lots of questions so you sort of have to be led a little bit by the child and Daisy's a bit too young for that at the moment but um, I've got two books and one is more of a fairy tale story and one is more of a very factual story and what I learned is that um, you can use both or you can just see what your child responds to better um, and so the fairy tale one is about squirrels and sort of explaining solo motherhood um, a very beautifully illustrated um. Using a story. Um, the other one is much more like a recipe, how babies are made. You need a sperm and an egg and a womb and um, sort of explaining it more factually, but still written for children. Um, and I will just continue to explain more and more detail and see what questions she's had and answer the questions. I think what's really clear for me is sh- sh- her understanding of the story will be very much influenced by how I tell it. And if I'm confident about it and there's no taboos and it's very straightforward, I feel like she'll absolutely accept that. What I talk to a lot of people about is if they're experiencing some shame or some anxiety or they're not fully confident, there's a potential that their child might pick up on that. So it's first of all working through your own story and feeling confident to tell your child that story. And then I've thought a little bit about school and I've talked to other people um, about school. And one of the sort of pieces of advice that I quite liked is try not to anticipate too, too much children have a hard time in school about a whole range of stuff if it's not this it'll be something else and more just try to get your child confident in their situation being able to communicate openly and to be able to answer any questions that they get so yeah I think if you sort of start anticipating it might be a problem you could almost create it to become a problem if that makes sense
2: you're right and what you say about children having a tough time at school from the most privileged perfect families that's the case too and actually that's not necessarily a bad thing you know of toughness builds yeah. resilience. If everything is always perfect and easy in life, they come out, with you know, children to- very, very ill-equipped to deal with yeah. the reality and the harshness of, of life. So, yeah. I think you and and I guess. Because we had this conversation about how you talk to children about sex and what the the lady I was talking to uh, was saying was that it's not one conversation. It is an ongoing conversation. And it's something presumably you already talked to Daisy about. We know children absorb stuff even before they can speak. and They they kind of seem like they can understand. Yeah.
0: So reading those stories, normalising them. um, Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't understand the detail of the story, but I will just continue to do that until she gets to an age where she does start understanding and it's just the norm. Certainly it won't be like a big revelation. Guess what? You know, it will just continue and build um, and be just how things are in our family.
2: And then from your point of view, kind of going forward, uh, is sort of a man a, a part of the plan still? Is that Definitely.
0: Something? <laughs> um, so that that's what I've always said. And again, why I found it quite easy to make the decision, because I think some people are thinking, OK, I'm just going to give up on the idea of finding someone. And, and it's quite difficult to give up on that idea and take this new path instead. And I always said, I'm not giving up on it. I'm just pausing it for now and then I'll, I'll carry on. And actually, I, I caught up with one of my male friends uh, earlier in the week and he was like, are you mad? I read somewhere that you went on a date when Daisy was 12 weeks old. And I was like, I did. And he was like, 12 <laughs> weeks. And I said, it was brilliant. It was, we just went on one date, you know, it wasn't a connection, but... I was out with an adult talking about adult things, drinking a glass of wine, and I was a bit like, "Oh, this is amazing and it's just actually what I needed and lots of women are like, "No way I would and it's just personal um you know for you um but I'm absolutely um looking for to fact fi- to find someone to sort of just compliment my family and actually, it's one of the things that I was saying to my friends, Come on, come on, guys." help me out here you must know someone that you can (laughs) um you can set me up with so it's absolutely part of my plan um I'm just waiting to meet the right one
2: and how do you do you tell you know on the first date is that a conversation you have immediately about Daisy and about her birth yeah
0: so because of my situation I I don't really get too many opportunities to meet people in real life if that makes sense so I do internet dating um and uh, on my internet dating profile, I say, um, I'm a solo mum. I chose to do it on my own because I thought I would, might miss out on the opportunity otherwise. And I just find that that saves a lot of wasted time. Uh, because people who think, well, I'm not interested in that wouldn't even contact me. So you've kind of filtered out anybody who wouldn't be interested. Um, and a lot of women were saying to me, but does, is anyone up for sort of still dating and actually there's a whole heap of people who are like that is brilliant because I've also got children I don't want any more but I'm more than happy to incorporate you know to to make a blended family or people think it will take pressure off because you're not sitting there in your late 30s or I'm 40 now thinking I want a baby which is what was happening before quite honestly so I've actually had a really positive experience I anyway dated a lot before Daisy so i you know, I think some people who've been in a couple and have now come into this crazy world of dating struggle. I was in that before, so I'm quite used to it. Um, yeah, I've had a really positive experience from guys who are just interested and supportive, and exactly what you said before. They're like, "Oh wow, you're very brave. I really admire you." Delighted it. to
2: find you. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Um, and I'm aware that there'll be people listening to us that aren't necessarily considering being single mums themselves, but maybe a friend or a relative yeah. is go making that decision and they're sort of working out how they can support them. So for people like that who are listening, what, what would be, what, what can a friend or a relative do best to support someone who is sort of in this decision process and then kind of goes forward? To do it, to have a baby?
0: So, the main thing for me is ask the person what they need from them. Don't make any assumptions because I actually wrote a blog post of what not to say to somebody because I had people saying, Don't worry, you'll still be able to get pregnant. You've got lots of time. Um, I'm sure the right guy is around the corner um, and trying to be supportive, but just saying the wrong things where I was like, Oh. Um, So um, my main advice is ask them, just be really honest, say, I'm not really sure how best to support you, but I really want to be there for you. You know, um, how can I help? Um, And uh, I think connecting you with other people in the same circumstance, if you can, is great because trying to... um, trying to compare situations sometimes can be quite frustrating whereas if you are speaking to someone who's been in exactly the same situation it it can be really useful so yeah don't presume just ask and communicate
2: and I guess picking up the phone too I mean we mentioned how hard it is to go to go out in the evenings yes and um I often find, you know, people communicate by WhatsApp and by text so much and email these days that actually speaking to someone on the phone is is becoming a bit of a rarity. And I have a handful of girlfriends who after the kids have gone to bed, I'll pour myself a glass of wine and we'll have a chat. It's over the phone, it's not ideal. It would be better if it was face-to-face, but if that can't happen, then actually sitting and chatting to someone on the phone is actually a really nice thing to do. I kind of think in this 21st century of communication, we often forget about the humble phone conversation. We do,
0: sometimes when people phone me, I'm like, is everything okay? and they're like yes we're just phoning to see if you know how you are and have a catch-up i'm like oh okay <laughs> because, it, because it does become a bit more rare and i think um i think that it's really good advice to people pick up the phone and if you do live close go round in the evening and have a glass of wine. And, um, you know, you can't necessarily go to a pub or go out to a restaurant, uh, but actually popping over and having a drink or even a cup of tea, um, that's if people have dropped in on me on the evening or they've sort of reorganized plans and said, we'll come to you, we can do nothing. We can watch a movie, we can have dinner. Uh, That's really helpful for me when, when I can entertain in my house. Um, so that yeah, I mean useful. I definitely found when
2: Ben was away so much I'd often get I had like a group of five girlfriends and like I'd do a rotation that someone was often with me for that kind of dinner and bath time so that afternoon when the kids are often a bit more tired and then we give them their tea together and then they'd bring around their pyjamas and we'd like put them in the bath together but yeah. just that then it's just like you said earlier on it's that end of the day that is often the hardest and you just want yeah. someone there and actually for the children too having someone else there is really fun so they tend to behave a little bit yeah. better and it's just a much more rewarding day, isn't it?
0: And I've had the one of the biggest gifts that ever happens is if someone's come round, you've gone and done bedtime, bath time, come down, and they've just tidied up the toys, and you're like, oh, the house looks good. Thank you so much. So just little things like that is um, is also really nice. Mm,
2: good. And I mean, um, would are you thinking about baby number two? I mean, that's a whole new kind of realm, and we do a, a, an adjustment course between baby one and right. two on the bump class, and I'm so aware of what a big it's more than 100% more work
0: yeah I definitely haven't ruled it out so it's still something I think about Um, it's something that causes me some nervousness about you know coping with two Um, so yeah I haven't come to any conclusion really Uh, definitely it's not ruled out
2: Well, it's been so wonderful chatting to you. I could literally sit and talk to you all day. You're one of the most open um, and engaging people. Um, So thank you so much. And you obviously do, you've got the Stalk and I blog, but you also run uh, antenatal classes specifically preparing people for solo parenting.
0: Yeah, so one of the main things that um, women have talked to me about is being nervous about going to antenatal classes. So what I've done is I've set up a remote antenatal class, which doesn't cover any of the traditional things it's absolutely con- complementary to a traditional antenatal class but it's just to talk about those unique things for solo motherhood and the idea is that you do it before you go to an antenatal class and it just prepares you and gets you a bit more confident to do the antenatal class so we cover things like who could be in your support network sharing your story um how, you know how to choose your, your birth partner as a solo mum yeah so it's really complementary and people are really finding value in connecting with other pregnant ladies from around the world actually so um people dial in from all over um yeah so and and we're just evolving as people have more specific questions we incorporate that in uh, and everyone has an opportunity to just talk about anything that's causing them anxiety so really supportive community and for people
2: before who haven't got to that stage yet you do coaching to sort of help people reach a decision and just make sure they've thought through the process properly? So
0: one of the main things I think some a lot of people just want to talk through to say these are my concerns and just talk it all through. So I offer a one-off coaching session for trying to help make that decision or a, a series of coaching sessions if some people want support throughout the decision-making and the pregnancy just on different things that they tackle. Um, yeah, so offer, offer a range of things.
2: And all of this can be found on your website which is thestalkandi.com Com. com perfect yeah. um and then on instagram you're on instagram as well
0: i am i'm um, the stork and i with underscores between the words unfortunately <laughs>
2: okay well have a look on my instagram and you can always yeah. then click on on my yeah. instagram well thank you so much thank you thank you all for downloading another episode of the parenthood and thank you for your support so far we feel very lucky to have such a large and enthusiastic following remember that by subscribing rating and reviewing us it boosts us in the charts and helps other people to find us. Do also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogle. I'll be posting a picture of Mel and me today and also links to her Instagram. You can also find out what we're recording. Let me know there also what you want to hear us discuss next. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and from Mel and me. Goodbye.